Hey, folks, with us out in Scottsdale, we can talk Buckeyes, Big Ten, college football. He's out west. We'll probably ask him about the Pac-12 or whatever's left of it, and is it imploding right in front of us? Jay Book, how's uh, football going right now? How's practice going? Practice is going well. Can you, can you hear me okay, Bill? Gotcha. Yes, sir. Practice is going well. They're actually out there right now, and uh, everybody's pretty excited about the quarterback competition that's brewing right now. You're going to see a lot of younger guys, highly recruited, who haven't got their opportunities to get that opportunity down in the spring. So right now, you're looking at a, an Ohio State team that has a lot of holes um, and question marks that they need to answer. But at the same time, they're very excited about the potential of some of these younger guys. I wasn't even thinking of this, but couldn't we get my boy, who I drove to Little League basketball practice for years, Mitch Rossi, like a seventh or eighth year of eligibility? Is there any way to get that done? <laughs> I would love to. I mean, he, he he's kind of your jack-of-all-trades type of guy. I mean, he was playing tight end. Uh, against Georgia in that bowl, so love to, would love to get them back there. So I, I, I don't know if that is allowed, but absolutely, if he wants to come back. Tom in Myrtle Beach, ask about Davison Igbenosa. Now that's for everybody. The Ole Miss transfer DB, and is it is it too early to know how he's doing or how's he fitting in? Well, I, quick, quick little story uh, with the with him in the defensive backs, Bill. One of the biggest gripes amongst Ohio State fans over the last several years when it comes to the Ohio State DBs is their inability to turn their head and find the football. There was a couple clips of David in practice, perfect technique, tremendous speed, turns around, finds the football, and if you want to talk about an uproar from the Ohio State fans, just said, oh, my goodness, finally we have a defensive back who's getting their head around to find the ball, but I think he's going to be a starter. Uh, listening to the coaches' post uh, practice the other day on Monday, they were raving about him. He's a big guy, 6'2", out there, really showing the technique, the footwork coming from the SEC. So I either look for him to be uh, a starter opposite of Denzel Burt. At worst, he'll be your slot starting corner. One thing about Jim Lowe's defense is he would like to play three safeties, one safety in a slot. I think they're going to transition away from that, and I think this kid with his size, his athleticism, and technique will be able to fill that role. Tom also wants to know about Sonny Styles, and you and I have talked about it before, but is he a safety or is he going to be some kind of size-wise, an outside linebacker, or what is he going to be? He's a big kid. Uh, I was looking up his, his spring uh, measurements, and they got him listed at about 6'4", 220, 225 right now. Uh, they they believe he's going to be a safety. They say he's going to be one of the best 11 defensive players. So they're going to try to move him around, try to find a spot for him. With this defense of Jill knows where he does like to throw in a lot of wrinkles and it is a safety-driven defense, they will absolutely find a way for Sonny Styles to get on the field and make an impact. Josh and... Picktown. He moved from London, Ohio. He now lives in Picktown. Pickerington asks about Dylan Rayola. Now, just a little background for everybody. He was committed to Ohio State and then a while back decommitted. Sounded like Georgia was in the lead. 
Then he took a trip to Nebraska where his dad played, and I believe his uncle's on the staff. They were in the lead. Then he just went to Southern Cal, and he's getting crystal balled as now leaning to them. Now, again, I don't know what the truth is, but specifically Josh wants to know, Jay Book, did the Buckeyes rescind that offer? Is that what happened? Well, to be perfectly honest, no one really knows besides Dylan and the Ohio State staff. You ask around, and it's pretty much been hush-hush, which to me, typically you can find some type of answer over time when it comes to recruiting, especially a high-profile one. But for whatever reason, no one can really pinpoint what the issues are with Dylan. I know there's a lot of Ohio State fans out there that I talk to in the message boards as well as, as, well as social media. They view Dylan's actions as a red flag. He's on his third high school going into his senior year. He just transferred to Pinnacle from Chandler High School, which was a powerhouse out here in Arizona. He transferred to Pinnacle, which is now a feeder program to USC. Now, all of a sudden, you start getting crystal balls to USC. At one point last month, a lot of people thought that Georgia had to leave there. Some people speculate that Georgia may have pulled out of that recruitment. You can take it. You know how you see fit. But I just think there's a, a, a lot of question marks around Dylan. And I would say this, following recruiting bill for numerous years, usually when there's, there's some type of circus surrounding the kid's recruitment, the chances of that kid panning out has been slim. I mean, you can just go back and look at all of the kids, you know, past history who's had somewhat of a circus type of recruitment. There's always something to behold when it comes to those type of recruits. And it's only going to increase, especially when you're able to freely transfer in today's game. That's a good point. Jay Book with us. Talk Big Ten. We can talk Ohio State. We can talk West Coast. I do want to get into the Pac-12, but what do you think's happening with the Big Ten right now? They've got this fat, juicy, new $1 billion per year contract that is the most beautiful one ever in college sports history and they really don't need anybody else right I mean they don't need another team what do you think their thinking is regarding Washington and Oregon yeah I don't I don't think they need anyone else Bill I mean the the bottom line is and you know this it's all about the money can Washington can Oregon increase the pot to the rest of these schools that are in in the um, the Big Ten, USC, UCLA, they're obviously going to bring that L.A. market. They're going to be able to enhance the brand. Yes, it's not ideal as for those two teams travel-wise, but at the end of the day, money speaks. And can Washington, can Oregon enhance? I don't know. I've seen situations and scenarios thrown around that Washington and Oregon believe they have a standing offer from the Big Ten with a caveat that they will have to take less money than the rest of the schools. Now, if you're Washington and Oregon, if that's true, you have to ask yourself if taking less money in the Big Ten is going to be more profitable than us staying in the Pac-12. If so, why haven't you jumped at that opportunity? So I'm a little skeptical about that. I look at the Big Ten and say, hey, you're good right now. You're going to be. You're going to have one of the best deals in the in the all of college football. You're going to be coming up on a second contract before the ACC is able to get out of their deal. 
you have a sweetheart deal for where you're going to have, you know, Fox and NBC and the other networks. They're all going to be cross-promoting your brand from the time that football kicks off until nighttime. It's going to be Big Ten football on. So I think they're in a great position just to sit still and kind of see how the dominoes affect right now because I truly believe the Pac-12 is on the brink of collapsing. I want to ask you about that, but is there a leader in the clubhouse for the open Big Ten commissioner job? I have not heard anything in regards to the Big Ten commissioner. There was a lot of smoke at one point amongst the Hall State faithful believed that Gene Smith uh, could have that job if he wanted to, and he shot it down and said, I'm good, stand the athletic director at Ohio State. So at the moment, there has not been any type of chatter that I heard that says, hey, this is the person that may be the leader for the Big Ten commissioner job. You mentioned just then about the Pac-12, and I'll use the word imploding, but right now it's public. They're trying to find a media partner for the future. It's not going well. ESPN's flirting with them. They're lowballing them because they don't have to do anything other than lowball them. There's some talk about Apple TV, which would be just streaming those games, which would make them further out of sight, out of mind. There's more rumors about Arizona and Arizona State maybe heading to the Big 12, and you're, what, a couple of tee shots away from that Arizona State campus there, Jay Book. Just take all of that mess and tell me what you think's going on. Yeah, I just think the Pac-12 is in a tough situation. I don't know how much – as far as the revenue they're going to be able to generate from these networks, there's a lot of people out there that believe that streaming has kind of hit its ceiling. A lot of people was banking that streaming being an integral part in these TV negotiations, but a lot of people believe that that may have maxed themselves out right now. Apple TV, I mean, how many people are going to be able to watch a actual game if it's, if it's on Apple TV? Uh, I've heard rumors that Colorado wants out. They want to go back to the Big 12. There's been talk on the Utah 24-7 message board that there's that they may head to the uh, Big 12 if given the opportunity. But at the same time, there's certain schools within the Pac-12 that are trying to uh, bring everybody together. As you mentioned, Arizona State here in my backyard, they would love more to find a landing spot. If they need the Big 12, uh, then so be it. You're not going to – Arizona State's not going to go by themselves – so if they're going to go to the Big 12, obviously Arizona's going to follow behind them. As far as the Pac-12, you're talking about bringing SMU and uh, San Diego into the conference. Will that move the needle? I highly doubt it. <laughs> I mean, SMU, it would be kind of fascinating to see if they can really build that program up. But bringing San Diego in, I mean, you, you look at the Pac-12 down, what is one of the biggest issues is the fan engagement. It's totally different and SEC and Big Ten country. You can go to a Pac-12 game for five or ten bucks and, and, and have great seats, and the crowd is halfway full. Just the total fan engagement in a Pac-12 is completely different than the major power brands in college football right now. Not only that, Jay Book, but let's just say here in a few weeks or a month, Pac-12 announces some media agreement, and it's mid-20s or something per team. Oregon and Washington's not going to sign a grant of rights. There's no way. You you don't sign that. Yeah. I mean, you, why would you sign it? <laughs> I mean, you. I think the, if you go back to the original roots of the problem, 
I truly believe when Larry Scott was the commissioner of the Pac-12, when he failed to get them on direct TV a deal, uh, I think that right there was just kind of the start of the downfall. Because if you look at the Big Ten, they started their Big Ten network. They were right out the gate, boom, right there on direct TV. Myself out here in, in Arizona, I can just flip to 16, channel 16, and I can watch all the Big Ten games, Pac-12 network. I live out here, and I still can't even find a Pac-12 network. And, and that kind of just tells you the, the dire situation that they're in. So if you're in Washington and Oregon, there is no way I'm going to tie myself for a long period of time to a streaming service that is questionable at best. All right, this is a good one. I wasn't even thinking about this, but I should have. Time in Myrtle Beach. Is Devin Brown going to wear 33? Is he really going to wear 33 if he gets the starting job at quarterback? That's what it sounds like. <laughs> I mean, what a, what, what a sight that's going to be. I, I, I have mixed feelings about that, Bill. There's one part of me that's like, I don't, I don't like it. I mean, I want my quarterback to have a traditional number out there, but at the same time, it tells me this kid is extremely confident in his abilities that he believes that, hey, I'm going to wear 33, the number I wore in peewee football, and I'm going to go out there and perform and make a name for myself. I just, I just view one of, those, one of those odd numbers as a quarterback. It reminds me of uh, the Michigan quarterback, Gardner, who wore number 98. <laughs> that was ugly. Um, and everybody made fun of that kid, but he still performed really well. So, yeah, 33 for right now, it sounds like that's the number he's going to roll with this this year. Ryan Day said when he first saw it, it reminded him of Larry Bird out there. That would be I, – I would like it. It would be funny. And then let's just say he goes out there and he plays well, and let's face it, uh, Ohio State's had a decades-long run of good quarterback play, so no reason to think he won't play well if he's the starter. But that would be so funny. And the the social <laughs> media would be even funnier. No telling. I know. I know. I, when it was announced that he changed his number, you kind of had the mixed reaction. You had some people said, we're not serious. This kid is not serious about winning a quarterback job if he's willing to go out there in number 33. And then you had the, another side of the fan base that I love it. I like it. It shows that the kid is uh, – He's confident in his abilities, and he, he believes that where his old peewee number is, is good luck for him. So, hey, he's going out there having fun. As long as he can win football games and go and beat Michigan, that's all I care about. Jay Book, good stuff, man, my man. Appreciate it very much. All right. Talk to you soon. Have a good one. There he is. Jay Book with us. Oh, man, is he good.